Good evening, everybody. I appreciate Doug this morning covering for me. I did speak at a retreat Friday and Saturday, and it was uh, a great time. It was a great a bunch of brethren that they're from Savannah, Tennessee, and it was uh, a good time. And the two topics that I talked about, the first one was why we run from the Lord, and the second lesson last night was on what now. And so we talked about why we run from the Lord and what pulls us back to getting in a right relationship with Him, and then what do you do from that point on. So it really was a, a blessing and a good lesson for me to study and, and think about, and I was encouraged myself, and I hope that the brothers and sisters were also encouraged. But I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited about this continued series on the cross, and tonight we're going to talk about the enemies of the cross. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verses 17 through 19 to kind of kick us off into the lesson. I hope that this is a blessing to you. I have really enjoyed putting these lessons together. I mean, when, when I just think about the cross, it immediately changes the way I, I, I'm thinking. How about you? When you just sit and, and spend a little bit of time meditating on the cross and the situation and, and the thing that was happening right there, it just puts you into a different mind frame. And, and you know, that's why the Lord's Supper is so important for us. That's why it's so important for us to partake of that every first day so we can remember that and just remember how big of a deal that is. But let's look at what Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 17. He says, Brethren, join in following my example and not those who so walk, and, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Think about Paul as he's speaking these words about the enemies of the cross. He can't even talk about it without tears building up in his eyes. Weeping, he says, he understood that to be an enemy of the cross, it meant to be an enemy of God. He understood to be an enemy of the cross was to deny all the love and all the wisdom that comes with the cross. And it was just not important. They were rebels, those uh, here who were against the cross. They were rebels against God's mercy they were against God's merciful will to save men from their sins by the death of his son. Why would anyone, anyone, want to be an enemy of the cross? The enemies that Paul is referring to could have been non-Christians, as well as those who profess to be followers 
of Christ, yet lived lives of sin and uncleanliness. They loved sin and they proved it by their action. Think about what he says, whose glory is in their shame. You know, I think about that and I think about Paul and the heartache that he must have felt. You remember in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me. They turned away from him. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, you remember, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Brethren, we know people right now that have done this same thing, haven't we? Doesn't it discourage you? Doesn't it bring you down a little bit when we think about it? But how are we? Are we on the verge? Are we getting really close to doing this as well? When we think about our lives, how are we when it comes to the cross of Christ. Are we enemies? Do we really deep down, I don't know your heart, but really deep down, do you really love sin? Let's just get it out there. I'm not going to beat around the bush tonight. Do we really love sin? Has Satan fooled us into believing that it's okay? It's all right. It's just a little bit, man. You'll be all right. Don't worry about it. I've been doing this a long time, and you ain't even as bad as half the people in the Old Testament. (laughs) I mean, you're good. Think about this. I read it, and it really got to me. To love sin, to be a part of sin, to think that sin is acceptable, is to kiss the very nails that pierce the hands of Jesus. Do we realize the more that we play with sin and the more that we give in to the desires of the world that we poison ourselves? Or do we, brethren, hate sin? You know, I heard this, and think about this one. How much poison would it take to satisfy a man who hates it? How much poison would it take to satisfy a man who hates it? I wouldn't even taste it, right? Now, don't get that by me. Don't even get it by me because I can't stand that. Libby loves to mess with me all the time. I'm allergic to an apple, right? She always wants to get an apple juice or she wants to get an apple and she wants to bring it over there to me and say, hey, look what I got, Daddy. I got an apple. And so what do I do? That's disgusting. Why would you even bring that over here by me, right? I I give it back to her. That is so terrible. I can't believe you'd want apple cobbler with ice cream. That is disgusting. But think about that. I know y'all probably love apple cobbler, don't you, right? Yeah, I see some heads, right? Okay. It's terrible. can't believe you'd even think about that, trying to eat something like that. Trip, I know you don't like it. That's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Mark's going to help me out tonight. How much poison would it take to satisfy a man 
who hates it. Remember that as we go through this lesson. Remember that as we go and talk about the enemies of the cross. This evening we're going to look at three things, and we've talked about these periodically through uh, the last two lessons, but I want to bring some new thought and maybe some new insight to a couple of these points. And I'm telling you, if you'll give it full attention, you'll walk up out of here and it will be a blessing to your life. But we're going to look at three things that can help us to see how someone could be an enemy of the cross. But you know, when you think about an enemy, an enemy is somebody that is against something, right? So we're going to look at the cross and what it stands for and how someone could be against it. The first thing to consider, the cross stands for divine sacrifice. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says this, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the satisfying sacrifice for our sins. The coming and the dying of Jesus Christ on the tree was God's way of showing mankind his heart. But it wasn't only the coming, it wasn't only the dying, it was another thing, wasn't it? It was the resurrection. What makes us different, brethren? Because we believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Don't you believe that? Don't you believe that because of him, we have hope of heaven one day? Don't you believe that because he came to this earth and he died and he resurrected, we have the way, the truth, and the life? God, through his love for sinful man, allows his only begotten to hang on a tree. To be an enemy of the cross of Christ is to be an enemy of the love and purpose of God for us to be saved. Think about that for a minute. To be an enemy of the cross is to be an enemy of the love and the purpose of God for us to be saved. How are we saved? By the giving of his son. An enemy of the cross, as the scripture we read earlier shows, has an attitude of a selfish lifestyle. Now, brethren, just be a little bit selfish tonight and think about your life. Think about the things that are top priority in your life. You think about what the scripture says in verse 19. It says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. Whose God is their belly. Whatever it takes for me to be satisfied, that's what I'm about. Self-seekers, they cannot be but opposed to the concept that we see on the cross. It's an exact opposite. 
A self-seeker is the exact opposite of what we see on the cross. Am I right about it? What do we see on the cross? We see the highest example of self-denial. Self-denial. Somebody who said, you know what, I'm willing to die for you. Man, I appreciate somebody like that, don't you? I've used this illustration a hundred times, but you know it's true. If somebody dragged you out of a burning building, how appreciative would you be to that person? Man, I appreciate you saving me, man. You saved me and allowed me to be able to be with my family. What can I do to help you out? What can I do to show you my appreciation? Do we take it that serious when we think about Jesus? Do we take it that serious when we think about what God the Father gave up for us? Think about your mission. If you're Jesus, you need to go to earth, you need to live perfect, and you need to die on the cross. (laughs) Congratulations. Good luck. Did y'all do your homework last week? How long did it go before you sinned? It didn't take me long. I think I got into the park, into the driveway at the house. Did y'all go a little bit longer? Some of y'all hang on till about Thursday before you sinned. How meticulous was Jesus in his approach to doing God's will? He never sinned. And he did it for you. The verse tells us that the enemies of the cross, they set their minds on earthly things. But the mind of Christ, the one that was hanging on that cross, was a life of self-abandonment. I'm going to give my life up willingly. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to do it because I love you, because I care for you. Is this a repetitive story? Absolutely. But doesn't it move you? Doesn't it bring back those feelings when you came about that water? When you knew that you were forgiven of your sins, when you came in contact with God's blood? With his blood. So if we are living for ourselves, we are separating ourselves from the spirit of the cross. To be concerned, and listen to this, to be concerned about the body more than the spirit is like being more concerned about the wood of the cross than Christ who is actually on it. You ever thought about that? To think about the physical would be in a parallel situation. Man, I appreciate that wood that Jesus was on. Some nice wood and the nails went in great. Held them up good. But no, we're not supposed to be like that, are we, brethren? That's a silly illustration, Matt. Well, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a pretty good one. Because if I'm concerned more about the flesh, then I could care less about Jesus and what he did on the cross. Let's just be real about it. 
Are we disciplining our bodies, bringing them into subjection to make sure that we don't sin? Or do we just say, you know what? I did it this week. I'm done. And then we'll see how it goes next week. How many times have you last week asked for forgiveness for what you had done? Not in a generic prayer, but really spent some time and said, Lord, you know what? I'm confessing this to you because I got a problem right now, Lord. I got a situation. I keep on thinking about this one thing. It keeps on coming up in my mind. And you know what? Every time I think about it, I sin. I say the wrong thing. I have a terrible attitude. It drags through my whole family. Lord, I'm sick of it. I'm confessing my sin to you right now because I want to change. Is that how serious we take our sin? Is that the approach that we take? Or would he just nonchalantly say, Lord, just please forgive me and help me. To, I got to go to get to the so-and-so or I got to hurry up and flip it on the ball game because Sooners are playing. Boy, I got to get that. Think about Romans chapter 8, verse 6 and 8. Think about this one, brethren. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind is a problem because it's against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Now, have you ever thought about what that means? The carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. Well, why is that, Matt? Because I don't hold myself into subjection to say, do what God asked me to do, because it don't matter. I'm the one in charge. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If I'm a child of God and I decide, you know what? This isn't really what I wanted. I'm just going to start doing what I want to do. You're going to find yourself in a dangerous place, am I right? You're going to find yourself in a carnal mind. You're going to find yourself in that thing that you left before. Brethren, if you're here today and you're struggling in your faith, let me encourage you with something. Let me encourage you with something. It's worth it. If you're down, if you're out, if you're struggling, if you're wondering why you're doing this, it is worth it. Take your eyes off the problem. Take your eyes off the situation and put your eyes on Yeshua. Put your eyes on Jesus. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The cross stands for divine sacrifice. The cross stands for divine holiness. What we see on the cross is God's hatred for sin. The greatness of the, now listen to this one. The greatness of the sacrifice that God made in giving his son shows us something. 
It shows the greatness of the need to fix it. The greatness of the sacrifice shows the greatness to fix the problem. Because I couldn't do it. And neither could you. And neither could anybody else. Think about all those greats. Think about all the Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith greats. Abraham and Moses and Noah. On and on. David and all these boys. They They couldn't even touch it. Because there's a separation between us, isn't it, brethren? Between us and God. And what is that separation? Sin. Because God has been and he always will be holy. And we're not. So there's a problem. So in order to fix that problem, Jesus has to offer himself completely holy. Without a blemish without a spot, without a wrinkle. And if it could have been done in another way, then it would have. Well, how do you know that, Matt? Because we know it's true because of the prayer that Jesus asked in the garden. You remember what he said? If this cup can pass, let it pass. Now, if it could have passed, what would God the Father have done? Let it pass. But it couldn't. It was the love of God toward us that offered this awful cup to the Savior, and he took it. It had to be done because of who God is. He's holy. He's blameless. And this would put the end to the sin problem. So as we thought about last week, you remember Jesus on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The father does what in that moment? He lets him hang. Could you do that? It's hard. But what did he know? He knew it would be worth it for you and for me. Now, how serious do we take that? How sad are we when somebody dies? How sad are we when somebody gets shot? How sad are we when something happens terrible like that? We're pretty sad, aren't we? Especially if it's close to us. How close are we in our relationship with Jesus? Because there's a difference between him. See, we can be sad about all these things, but here's the difference with Jesus. Yeah, it makes me emotional. Yeah, I appreciate it so much, but there's excitement with it too. Because on the other side, he gets up. Why is the cross so important to us as Christians? Because it shows other people that we believe something different. You think about all these other religious groups. You think about all these prophets that time. They're dead. You remember what Peter said about David? He's still in that grave over there. 
But the one we follow, the one that you guys crucified, the one that you guys put on that cross, he's alive. And he's reigning in heaven right now. So to be an enemy of the cross means that holiness and striving to be holy, whatever. I can't even get close to that, man. Seriously? (laughs) You going to ask me to be holy? Mm -mm. Okay, my bad. So what you're going to do is you're going to do it this way. Look at verse 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. The things that they've accomplished, right? The things that we've accomplished become number one in our lives. See, the prosperous man in the world, he glories on those things that he's accomplished. No matter how he obtained it, that's an enemy of the cross. To love sin is to hate the cross. And remember this, sin is of the devil, but holiness is of God. Whose team you on? Whose team are we on, brethren? You remember 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Do we appreciate that? Man, how incredible is that? To be an enemy of the cross means being holy is just not possible for me. It's just not something that I can obtain. But with that mind frame, you forget about what the scriptures say. Brother and sister, if you're in that position and you feel like you just can't do it, remember, he who walks in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. And when you confess it, it cleanses you from all unrighteousness and makes you perfect. Wow. I appreciate that, don't you? So the cross stands for the divine sacrifice. The cross stands for divine holiness. And this is the one that I'm really excited about right here. The cross stands for divine riches. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, Hey, spend some time dwelling on this verse this week. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The death of of Christ is the divine promise to all believers that every needful blessing is within your reach. Just come and get it. Just come and get it. I'm laying it out for you. I'm giving it to you. It's within your reach. Come and get it. Think about what 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
Though Jesus was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. Now, if that don't touch you, if that don't move you a little bit, if that don't put you in the right mind frame, I don't know what will. The one who was rich became poor so he could be exalted. Now, he's going to get that anyway. But he did it because of you. It says, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Jesus, I appreciate you so much. I ain't never had no money, man. When Christ gave himself for us, and I want you to think about this one. When Christ gave himself for us, he gave his all to us. (laughs) When Christ gave himself up for us, he gave us everything. Co-heir, a co-heir with Jesus. He not only blesses us with forgiveness and reconciliation to God, but he blesses us here on earth, doesn't he? With our physical abilities, the jobs that we have, what a blessing that is. I appreciate the Lord giving me abilities to get corrected. I'm getting better at it too, (laughs) Just see how the kids get me straight. I mean, I left all kind of stuff off of there. You know what? If I wasn't able to get corrected, then what would I do? I'd probably get mad about it, right? I'm not mad about it. A little bit, but I'm a little bit bummed out that I did it. But he not, he, not, he not only gave us the blessing of forgiveness, not only the blessing of reconciliation, not only the blessings here on earth, but he allows us, and this is the best one of all. If you don't get nothing out of the lesson, here it is. Here is the one, the one thing to get. He allows us to be partakers of his very nature. We get to be just like him if we want it. We get the instructions to build a life to be just like Jesus. Do you want it? Or do you want to be like a ball player? I mean, I, I got a list of ball players that I used to want to be like, right? And I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I chase those and think about those things often still. But my mind's been changed. How about you? My mind's been changed from that. I cannot wait until the day that I get to see Jesus. Can you imagine? Danny read it earlier. He ain't going to be cute. He's going to be a regular guy, just like me and you. And he loves you, and he cares for you. 
Does that not spur us? Does that not push us? Does that not drive us? You know, I talked about a little bit Friday night about when I first obeyed the gospel. And I thought about how, how excited I was, how appreciative I was. And I fast forward to this date. And you know what? I'm still that excited. <laughs> how about you? How do I sustain that? I don't do it because I run off some emotion. Because, boy, I get down. Sometimes I get upset with the Lord, right? Sometimes my mind isn't where it needs to be at. And if I just run off of emotions, that's going to die out. But, boy, when I look in this thing right here, when I put my mind to what this thing says and people ask me questions and I can respond with book, chapter, and verse, boy, what confidence that brings me, right? When I realized that Abraham, he believed God. He knew that what he said was going to be true, and we see the prophecies being fulfilled. We see all of those prophecies from the Old Testament coming about in the New Testament. The Word of God backs itself up, and what confidence that should bring us. Are we inclining our ears to hear it? Are we applying it to our lives? Because if we are applying it to our lives, then it should be a pleasing thing to us, right? And if it's a pleasing thing to us, then it should be on our lips. It should be on our lips. Have we moved so inward, fountainhead, that we can't go tell somebody about Jesus? Have we moved so inward that, you know, I used to do that back in the day, man. I used to do it when I was a young Christian, but I'm just, I can't do it no more, really. People are dying every day who don't have hope. And we got it. He became poor so we could be rich. Don't you want to share the wealth? Huh? Are you too greedy? Have we become too greedy, brethren? Have we become too greedy to share it with the world? I don't want to be that way. I don't ever want to be that way. I want to look at the Lord one day and say, I served you with all my heart. Thinking about the cross tears me up, brethren, because it's real to me. How about you? I'm about to quit preaching about the cross, I guess, so I don't cry. I love it. I appreciate it. Could you imagine him walking? He literally, he literally couldn't carry it. He couldn't carry it. Somebody had to help him. If I don't move you, I don't know what will. We serve a king who loves us. We serve a king who is willing to go all the way for us. Are we willing to go all the way for him? Are we looking for the opportunities? Or are we so self-seeking that God, our God has become our belly?
When we think about all that and we think about what the cross means, this should bring some light and some encouragement to us. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. He says, if then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, our God is a big God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God wants to help you in every way. Will you let him? Will you let the word move you? Will you be driven by what he tells you to do? Think about this, brethren. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You want to know a simple way to know if your mind is fixed in the right position? You want to know if your mind is fixated on the cross and the understanding of what he did? The way that you love the world. The way that you handle the world. Because if you really knew the love of the Father, as we talked about last week, the value that God knew that blood, what it meant, then we wouldn't even be around the world. We wouldn't even be messing with those things that bring us to a terrible place where we have to stand in front of the Lord and say, I apologize, Lord, I messed up. I'd stay so far away with it because I don't want to disrespect him in any way, shape, or form. I want you to look at this cross and think about this as we close. Have we made ourselves enemies of the cross by the way we're living? When we think about our lives, what is the top priority? Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, he says, those who are enemies of the cross, their end will be destruction. Is that what you want for your life? We just read it with the fountainhead kids. What will a man exchange for a soul? <laughs> Is it worth it? Let this be your attitude this week as you leave. Be strong, be courageous. Remember, you represent the king. The things that you say matter. The way that you act matters, especially to those in the world. And if you're around brethren, <coughs> love them. Show them some support. Give them some encouragement. But look at what Paul says. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Man, isn't that awesome? What will you do this week? What will you be boasting about?
What will you boast about, brethren? That one's up to you. Hey, I appreciate y'all very much. I appreciate y'all letting me yell at you, let me cry with you, let me move around and point at you and do all of those crazy things that I do. But you want to know what? I am sincere when I tell you this. I love every single one of you. And I appreciate you. And I need you. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep saying no to sin. Keep telling the devil to get away from me. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Man, the time is now. The time is now to be added to the family. Don't be embarrassed. Don't think that people are going to say something. It's going to be rejoicing in heaven for your decision. It's not going to be a calm time in heaven. It's going to be a happy time. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. Ananias told Saul, what are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Hey, won't you come right now and wash away your sins as we stand and as we sing? Lord, I need-